0: or you can find us at our website, madorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today.
1: Praise the Lord to everybody. God is good all the time. We greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Glad that you are here, wherever here is with you. We're glad that you have joined us this evening. We're going to turn to the book of 2 Peter. We're going to conclude our series of studies from our book, Characteristics of a Christian. And our final study will be on the final thing that the Apostle Peter admonishes us to add to our life. To our building or building, building, if you will. Listen to what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, beginning. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, yes. to virtue, knowledge, yes. to knowledge, temperance, yes. to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And he said, if these things be in you to bound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful right. in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's the positive part. The negative part, he said, but he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Amen. So I don't want that last part. I want the positive part. Amen. I want to add. I want to keep adding. So this is our final listing and characteristics of a Christian. We come to what I'm calling in my notes the final building stone. We're building a structure here which we've been admonished to add. Add to our faith. Our faith is the foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in Corinthians And so step by step, we have built ourselves up to this point of completeness, of perfection. We've reached the summit. If we've added each each characteristic as we come to them, we can stand on the heights now of spiritual experience and praise God and say, we can win. We are winners. We can win the battles of life. No temptation will overthrow us. No problem of life, regardless of what it may be, what magnitude it may be, will overcome us. Because John tells us in 1 John 4, 4 greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this condition, of course, it, it, it doesn't make us immune at, to the uh, tempter snares, the temptations, no. But it makes us qualified to withstand these temptations the fiery darts. We've got a good shield now, and we've got the everything. We've donned the armor, if you will. And this one we're looking at, we're calling it the capstone, All right. if you will. The capstone. It's the chief characteristic. The capstone, of course, in the last is the last class in a program of study. It's called a capstone because it represents a crowning achievement as a capstone does in architecture. For some degree programs, a capstone course may require project and subsequent presentation. For others, it may include an assessment exam to test interdisciplinary skills like math or writing or critical thinking. A capstone may also involve a final research paper involving and exploring a topic of interest emerging from a student's individualized program of study. Ultimately, a capstone project represents new work and ideas and gives you the opportunity to demonstrate the knowledge and the skills that you have gained through your studies and going through your college degree. The capstone traditionally was a stone that was placed at the top of a pyramid or a building, qualifying and signifying its completion as protection for the walls below capstones were often considered the most important part of the building and elaborately dedicated to signify the culmination of the achievement. Now I got to thinking about this and one thing that's, that has uh, interested me, I started to say amazed and I guess that's all right too. Uh, Through the years I've walked through archways and I thought, how are you staying up there Bricks? Stones, you got this archway, what's holding you up there. I seen, I see no undergirding to keep you in place. Here this big old arch. And uh, I, I, I had this idea, but it didn't go anywhere very far. I had this idea, here's the the fruit of the spirit that Paul tells us about in Galatians five, twenty-two and three. Here's the fruit of the spirit that the spirit, the Lord gives us when we become his child. And it begins with love. And then here is the, the uh, additions that Peter said we we're to add to our faith. And we got all them put together. Now I imagine them like stones. You know, we're building a, a project here, a, a house, if you will, a temple for the Lord. So I was going to build an arch out of them. But I got messed up on my, my theory. My theory didn't hold enough. It didn't hold enough blocks. Because there are nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, but they are only blocks of what Peter said we've got to build, so we're missing missing one for the capstone. But anyway, that's a theory I throw at you. In construction, in order to build a beautiful archway, the keystone, or the capstone, if you will, is the wedge-shaped stone at the apex of a masonry arch, are typically round-shaped one at the apex of a vault. Now, in both cases, it's the final piece that's placed during construction and locks all of the the stones into position, allowing the arch or the vault, if you will, to bear the weight. It locks the stones in the arch so that it can bear the entire weight of the arch. And it's that stone at the top. That's holding it all together. I had the privilege to live in St. Louis, Missouri, when they were building that tremendous uh, gateway arch. I watched them as they worked, and I wouldn't want that job. But anyway, they all, it was a very smart man that figured it out. They started here and here and came up the sides. And right at the top, there was that final section that put it all together. It was not it was not like an archway, but it is an arch anyway. But anyway, by the way, it's interesting to me. It To me, it was interesting that love is the first attribute of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, that's the way uh, Paul uh, it describes it, if you will. And love is the first of the fruit of the Spirit. But John says, or rather Peter says, that charity or love is the last characteristic of the Christian, the child of God. So God gives us love. But Peter said we got to add some things here to our faith. We add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, and so on. And then finally, when we get to the top, the last one, love. You add love? Yes. The Lord gives us love He places it because he puts his spirit in our heart when we were filled with the Holy Ghost, we were baptized in his name. He brought love, love for his truth, love for church, love for God. So he gave gave us his love. It's the very beginning, if you will, attribute of of the spirit that he places within us. But we must take that love he has given to us and add to it, if you will, it's, it's, it's love that he's given us, but what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? How do we prove that we have God's love? It's not by bragging about it. It's by manifesting it. It's not love until you give it away. And so it's the last characteristic with virtue. We have attained that place of moral strength to endure, to stand for that which is right. And then comes knowledge that's added to our life, which will direct us in his divine will and purpose for our life. And then he gives us temperance, or I should say we add temperance. We add temperance that gives us fortitude, that gives us control of ourself and, and direct uh, that knowledge, which we required of his will properly. And then we of his will properly. We have patience. Oh my, we need that patience to see the will of god accomplished in our life which help us not only to wait but also to persevere. And from patience, we add godliness, which is a devoted life to those things that are pleasing to God, to be God like, as we talked uh, before. And with this, we have brotherly kindness, which is a love for others that will make us think of others instead of ourselves. These characteristics we've added, to, we will then be able to better appreciate the meaning of charity that we had at last. It's the capstone of our building project. Let me share with you a comment from Barclay, the noted uh, commentator that he wrote on the subject of love. He said, agape is the word for Christian love. Agape is not passion with its ebb and flow, its flicker and its flame, nor is it an easygoing and indulgent uh, Sentimentalism, and it's not an easy thing to acquire or a light thing to exercise. Agape is undefeatable goodwill. It is the attitude toward others which, no matter what they do, will never feel bitterness. And will always seek their highest good. There is a love which seeks to possess. There is a love which softens and innervates. There is a love which withdraws a man from the battle. There is a love which shuts his eyes to faults and to ways which end in ruin. But Christian love, Christian love, he said, will always seek the highest good of others and will accept all the difficulties, all the problems, and all the toil which search involves. I like that. Love, love is the final and fullest expression of spiritual force. I think that came out right. At least that's the way I wrote it. Love is the final and fullest expression of spiritual love. If you're a child of God... If you're as strong as you need to be, you're going to manifest love regardless, regardless. Now, here we're not to think of a mere emotion. The emotion which we term love is, it's usually manifested with a thought in mind of, if I love him or her, they're going to love me back. That's not the love that Peter is talking about. We give that we might receive. No, that's not it. But this is not the meaning of love or charity, if you will, which is mentioned by the apostle. This love doesn't fluctuate like the temperature does. It's not a thermometer. No, not hardly. It's, or rather it is, I should say it is a thermometer. Um, that doesn't sound right either. It's not jumping up and down. That's what thermometers do. Have I got this right? Anyway, I better get off another subject. But love is it's not preferential. Uh, right. love is not a thermometer. It doesn't go up and down according to temperature, whether it's hot or it's cold. Right. Love is a thermostat. <laughs> right. We set it where it ought to be and leave it there. Right. We're going to love regardless. Amen. We're going to love regardless. This love is superior to all circumstances. Right. Circumstances does not dictate my actions or reactions because of Love. Let me share another comment from another commentator, Barber, in his thoughts, in his writings. He says, love, what shall we call it? The root of roots, the seed of seeds, the sap of saps, the juice of juices. Love is first and last. When I love, I have everything. Without love, I am nothing. Love is all faith, all hope. Love is like the earth. Everything comes out of her." Everything returns to her again. She is the mother and nurse of all the graces. What love is, it is hard to say. For those who have it, needless to tell. For those who have it not, impossible. I like that. Love, love. Romans five, uh, Romans thirteen. Excuse me. Paul wrote in uh, verse eight. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And I know we read this scripture and we think of this scripture probably because of debts we might owe and, and, and we're not supposed to owe anybody anything that we're not taking care of. But uh, Paul is saying to love one another. Owe oh, no man anything but love one another. I owe you love. You owe me love. Right. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and so on. Paul enumerates here down through verse 9. And then when we get to verse 10, he says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And those who will allow the love of God to fill your heart, And to motivate your actions, you'll never be guilty of committing any of the actions that are mentioned by Paul in this passage of scripture. Love will never prompt one to commit adultery. Love will never prompt one to lie. Love will never prompt one to steal. Love will never prompt one to speak ill of his neighbor. Love, love, God give me more love. John said, Beloved, let us love one another. In 1 John 4, verse 7. Why? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. My, my, that's strong. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us yes, and sent his done to, a son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so... Oh my. Listen to this last verse, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Uh Amen. I love you. John locates the origin of the love he's talking about here as being of God. It's not of man's own nature to manifest this love. Man cannot learn this love through any school of higher learning. This love only comes from God. And if God doesn't give us this love... Well, this love is not going to be manifested through our life. Now, another interesting thing about this passage of scripture is that the definite article appears before the word love. So, John is not—he is or rather Paul is not just saying love, yes, John. Excuse me, First John. Paul is not just mentioning love, but he's saying the love. It's the love. It's unique. It's different. It's unique because it's only come from God. Amen. His great love, which was manifested by the Lord, was a direct result of his own will. He didn't love us because we loved him. He loved us in spite of the fact that we didn't love him. In fact, we could not manifest this love. We could not manifest this love until he first loved us and manifested it through us. The Lord's love is unlike any other love that we may be able to be acquainted with, the love of God. It comes down to those who are outside of the pale of loveliness. Human love seeks out her own. Man seeks fellowship with those who share the same feelings, the same thoughts. Human love returns that which was given to them. And how many times these, uh, how am I going to say this? How many times these young people, they start parking, sparking around, and she says, you love me? And he says to her, do you love me? Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, the human love returns for that which is given, but that's not God's love. This divine love is not limited to guidelines like this. This love which was manifested by our Lord, it follows the prodigal all far off, even to the pigsty. It searches out the lepers among the tombs. It gathers the outcasts from the highways and the hedges. It seeks not those who are not uh, beautiful, those that are even ugly. It's seeking for them. I'm glad it did that way for me. I'm glad I didn't have to be handsome to be saved. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to have a lot of hair to stay safe. This is the love which was manifested by my Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the love that we should add to our life. That most important and most valuable building block in your life is the love you have for God and more, even more importantly, the love you have for others. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter three, verse nineteen, that it was love that passeth understanding. So don't don't spend your time trying to figure out how to love someone. Don't try to understand how love can love the unlovable. Don't try to understand why Jesus went to Calvary. Just let him fill you with his love and love will do natural things. It'll become natural to you to love the outcast, to love the drunkard, to love the harlot. Romans 5 verse 8, Paul said, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners why we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us. In fact, Paul, going back to verse 7, the verse before that, Paul said, scarcely for a righteous man one will even die, yet peradventure for a good man would even dare to die. But the love of Jesus Christ, my Lord, did more than that. Amen. He went beyond that. He died for me when I was ungodly. As the Lord is our example, Paul admonishes us to walk in that same love. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, he says, Walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice as a sweet-smelling savor. In verse 25, Paul got personal. He said, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In verse 29, Paul said, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth even as the Lord the church. Love, the love which the husband should show his wife, we've touched on before, but let me reiterate, the love which the wife should show her husband is the love of that which the Lord has shown all of us. One which is unselfish, one which is not self centered, one which thinks of others instead of thinking of herself, one which seeks out those even which are not interested, if you will, but we are interested because we want to see souls added to the kingdom. True love is not mere emotional love, the love that the apostle speaks. It's not one which is manifested only in moments of high emotions when everything and everyone's going well. You know, a husband shouldn't love his wife only when the biscuits are just right, the gravy is not lumpy, and she hasn't scrambled the wrong egg. A wife should not love her husband only when he brings home a big paycheck or when he compliments her for that fine dinner that she burnt almost. But she should take... She, sh- she took so much time to prepare. Even it was flubbed up a little bit. But anyway, the love which we should manifest to our fellow traveler down the life's high pathways should not be one which is only shown on sunny days and when the birds are singing. Yeah. Let's love when it's cloudy and overcast. The love here that's under consideration, my fellow pilgrim and brother and sister in Christ, is not determined by the weather nor by the way the food is prepared, nor the way in which someone may or may not look at us. We should not have to work up the love which the apostle is speaking to us about adding. Love such as he is speaking never asks the question, who is my neighbor? Love asks if there's any questions to be asked, how can I show myself neighborly? Love doesn't inquire, whom ought I to help? It inquires, how can I best be a helper? Love doesn't look narrowly and grudgingly and fearfully around trying to find out who the others are, who may have claims on love. Its eyes are turned inward upon self that's asking me. I'm asking myself, what will make me more fit to serve my God? The apostle put it this way in 1 Peter 2 21 that we should follow his steps. My my challenge us to read what Jesus did, how he reacted to the critics, the accusations, the accusations, and those that were enemies. How did he react? And may we have that same spirit. When one considers the love which was manifested by him as he walked upon this earth we certainly receive a better understanding of just what love the apostle is speaking about no greater love was ever shown than that which was shown by the lord jesus christ now he didn't seek out the rich and the popular in fact you'll find me spending more time ministering with the poor and the the less fortunate he sought out the poor the halt the blind in fact, they accused him of eating sin, eating a meal with sinners. Of all things, he even laid his hand on a leper and healed him. The position which charity, love, should have in our life, so readily seen by the words of the apostle, yes. is described for us in Corinthians. Paul went in Corinthians 13. You know that wonderful chapter about charity. Faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul describes about love. What love is. He said it's more important than speaking in tongues. Verse 1. He said it's more important than any gift that we might be able to give. Verse two, he said it's more important than even having great faith to move mountains. Verse three, he's or verse two rather, more important than just helping the poor. Verse three, more important than even being a martyr. In verse three, if you don't have love and you give your life and you're saying you're dying as a martyr, it's not gonna help you if you haven't got love. And he also informs us in this chapter what love does not do and what love does do. For instance, let's go to the knots first. Let's get rid of the knots. It it does not get envious, verse 4. It doesn't vaunt itself, verse 4. It doesn't behave unseemly, verse 5. It does not seek her own, verse 5. It doesn't get provoked easily, oh my. Verse 5, it doesn't think, oh my, it doesn't think evil thoughts. God help me. Verse 5, it does not rejoice in iniquity. Verse 6, it never, oh my, love never fails. Verse 8, what does it do? Well, I'll tell you what it does what Paul says it does it suffers long verse four it shows kindness verse four it rejoices in truth verse 6 it beareth all things verse 7 it believeth all things verse 7 it endureth all things verse 7 are you you're getting the point? Are you understanding what love is and what, why we needed so much to work on this block called love, this stone called love? We have love. It's been given to us. We need to take that love, activate on it, as Peter is telling us, add it to our life, add it to what we're doing in our actions. We may have faith until we move mountains, but love is more important if we have love we may have a steadfast hope that just can't be shaken but even more important than that is love Amen. love opens the fruit of the spirit attributes and it closes it seals it confirms it concludes the character listing of the apostle love love lord help me to manifest the love that you manifested help us to ha- help me to 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 be Christ like in conversation in conduct help me not to see not to not to see the sinner in a judgmental attitude but help me to see the sinner as a soul that needs the love that i feel help me to reach with love with compassion with concern to that wavered soul amen the seven steps from faith faith Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. God, help me to reach to the top. Help me to reach to the top. Help me to not waver. Help me to not not look around, not look back. Help me to not hesitate, but keep pressing on. Be determined. Be determined. Progressive steps. Steps which are connected. One step does not stand by itself. It's connected. What is left behind to our children, that will be one which will make them proud. The greatest heritage anyone could give to their children is a heritage of love for God and and, and, and embrace and love for the word of God. Love, love for God, love for God. Such a life, will be a productive life. I can guarantee you that. You'll be a blessing to others in your life, in the kind of life you live. Yes. And again, yes. what's left behind, your children will pick up the baton, if you will, and keep the race. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I like the words. There's a, a man, he's long dead now, Louis L'Amour, Louis L'Amour, he was a quite a writer of Western type. Uh, my good friend, Brother Elkins, really loved Louis, and and I read several of his books. I like Louis. Listen to what Louis Amour said: "It is this by which we measure a man, by what he does with his life, by what he creates to leave behind." Amen. That's good. This it is this by which we measure a man by what he does with his life, by what he creates to leave behind. Amen. So in closing this evening, I'm asking, what are we doing with our life? What do people what do people think when they see the way we act, the way we talk, Amen. the way we what we how we do in, in conversation and with one another? What do they think about us? Do they see love? Do they see the love of Jesus Christ? Do we see this characteristic? To close this evening, I want to quote again, refer again to what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 35. It's a verse that's been said and resaid uh, during these times. But it's so important. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love, one to another. And I know I've heard it said, and we've said it as well as many others, preachers and others, that Jesus did not say, if you have love, one for another. But he says, if you have love, one to another. Again, to emphasize, love is not love until you share it. Love is not love until you give it away. Let's give somebody some love. Amen. Tomorrow, see somebody, give them some love. Smile at them. Say something nice to them.
0: our ministry.